Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go over tonight to the book of Genesis chapter 1. And I want to continue with this that we have been on, uh, anointed for authority. And uh, we're still uh, really, I don't want to say laying the foundation, but looking at some different things because... uh, We're still looking at this concept of the humanity of Jesus and the authority that he gave to man. And uh, in Genesis 1, we see that, you know, the Bible tells us that God created man in his image and in his likeness. And the basic definition of that is that man was God's representative image on the earth. The image of man represented God in the earth. All right. Uh, in Genesis 1, 26, of course, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Now, there are those that will say the image and the likeness was body, soul, and spirit. God is three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm not denying that or saying that that's wrong. But what I am saying is that was part of it. But God made man in his image and in his likeness so that he could represent him on the earth. And let them have dominion, the word is rule, over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So that means the man and the woman were both created in the image of God. So that means that both the man and the woman had dominion. They both had the authority. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, every living thing that moves upon the face of the earth. So notice that God created man for authority and rulership. All right, He created him with authority and rule on the earth. Uh, you know, that's, that's the travesty of, of different scientific teachings, evolution and these different things, is it tries to place man just in the same category and on the same level of those entities that man was created to have rule over. And when people start thinking that they're just a higher form of animal, all right, not, not only, not only is it, is it, anti-Bible, that person will never exercise their authority, right? Most believers are not exercising, or I I say many believers are not exercising their authority, and no, no sinners are, even though they're created to exercise their authority. They're, They're receiving from their authority because they're receiving what they say. They, they just don't know they have the authority to receive what they say. But notice in Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8, and I hope you you brought your Bible or your notebook or just flip with me, because this is Wednesday night Bible study, hallelujah, that's where we study the Bible, amen, Psalm chapter 8 verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visited him. For you made him a little lower than the angels. And crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have. Now notice. You made him to have dominion. Over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. All sheep, oxen, yea, the beast of the field. The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes through the paths of the sea. So notice. He says, what is man? Well, that word man, it literally, it means mortal man. Mortal man. That's what it means in the Hebrew. Mortal man. What is mortal man? All right, that you're mindful of him. When it says that you're mindful of him, that you have given him 
so much authority that you've paid such attention to him. All right? The, the word here, it says you made him a little lower than the angels. Now, of course, that, that word there is the Hebrew Elohim. All right? And uh, it means the almighty God or the supreme God. And you, you have to, to determine from the context of the scripture what it's referring to. And, but here, it literally means the supreme God. You made him a little lower than the supreme God. Now, we, we know this because when God created man, he, it says he crowned him with glory and honor. All right? In, in Genesis, it says he gave him dominion. We're going to look at it in Hebrews in a little while. It says, to none of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand. All right? Angels never had that authority. They never had that dominion. A angels today do not have authority and dominion over the things that we have authority and dominion over. All right? Now, God made man a little lower than himself. Notice where his authority was concerned. And this is important because the only one with greater authority was God himself. The only one with greater authority was God. Because God invested Adam with his authority. Man was crowned with glory and honor. That's what we just read in the scripture. You crown him with glory and honor. Well, that word glory, it means... The, the, the biggest definition of it means you have encircled him. You've surrounded him with glory and honor. All right? But it also means you gave him abundance. You gave him dignity and splendor. Here's a word I like, reverence. So, so those, those, being, those, those animals on the earth, those beings on the earth, they gave reverence to man because he had been given the authority of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then it says, you crown him with glory and honor. That word is majesty or splendor. Now, I find it interesting that in the book of John chapter 17, uh, Jesus made a statement that, that we, we need to look at here. Uh, it's sort of a rabbit trail, but not really, because it goes with what we're saying. But Jesus said in John 17, and uh, verse 22, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. The glory that you gave me, I've given them. This word glory here means weightiness or heaviness. All right? In, in other words, man's authority and man's word with you carries the same weight as mine does. The glory you've given me, I gave them. All right? Now, he said he crowned man with honor, glory, and honor. You crown a person that's been placed in authority. You crown a person that's been placed in authority. Man was held in reverence on the earth. Man walked in dignity. Man possessed a majesty and a splendor confirmed on him by God himself. God created man and then crowned him with glory and honor. Hallelujah. Whew. Glory be to God. Amen. Now, because a man disobeyed God, we talked about that in some of the previous messages, and gave away his rightful authority, because of justice, a man had to reclaim the authority that had been given away. Because of justice. All right? This, this is where so many people misunderstand uh, what happened in the fall. You'll hear some uh, uh, 
uh, religious ideas that, you know, uh, 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 God allowed that. People will say God allowed it, but why did God allow it? Because the man in authority allowed it. See, it is injustice to usurp authority. God will not usurp authority. He outlines His will plainly in the Bible. It is not His will that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of eternal life. But yet, you know and I know that there are people that are perishing tonight. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm told every, every two seconds somebody goes either to heaven or hell. And, and God will deal with somebody. He will send people their way. Every person that's born on this earth has had an opportunity to give their life to God. Everybody. Because, because God will deal with everyone. The Holy Spirit will deal with everyone. But if they choose to not obey and not pay attention, God cannot, not won't, can't usurp the authority of will that He gave mankind. I have a right to choose where I spend eternity. Thank God I made a choice years ago to spend it with Him. Yes. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? And, and, and that, should be, that should be something that tells us our authority. You get to choose your eternal destiny. You're going to live forever with Him because you chose to. And people will say, well, that's because Jesus died for me. No, it's because you chose to believe that He died for you and you chose to make Him the Lord of your life. Oh, hallelujah. So because of justice, God could not just come and tell Adam, no, we're not doing that and let's have a reset. Adam was God's representative. I learned something interesting years ago and, and I don't know how all the laws are in the States, but uh, the state that I was at at the time, it was this. If you're leasing a building or an apartment, you know, if you sublease that building, you lease it to somebody else. You're leasing it and you lease it to somebody else. If the owner catches wind of that and sues you, all right, the court will still give the person in the building 30 to 60 days to, to clear out. Because the person that had, that had uh, 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 occupancy gave them a right to be there. They can't just come in and kick them out. Because it, it, it was not all kosher, but the person that had his name on the lease said, I'll lease this to you and sign up with them. Satan was a usurper. Satan lied. He deceived Eve, but Adam gave away his authority. That leads us to understand something. God could have done something about deception. He couldn't do something about a volitional act of your will. You, you see what I'm saying? God could have overlooked deception. That, uh, the Bible basically says that. It, in, in Paul's writings, it says Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. He did it of his own volitional will. Hallelujah. See, that's, that's the problem with the devil, is that he sinned of his own will. Nobody tempted him to sin. He did it on his own. Now, hallelujah. In, uh, so because of justice, a man had to reclaim the authority that had been given away. Notice here in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Hallelujah. This is so important in understanding your authority. Because uh, when Jesus made a statement, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but when Jesus made the statement, He said, uh, uh, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Now, Jesus said it. It's in red. Read your Bible. It's in red. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. And I've heard preachers try to water that down. Well, here's what he meant. He meant what he meant. One of the first rules of biblical interpretation is you take the Bible literally wherever possible. Amen. 
And he said, greater works than these shall you do. And people said, the greater works is salvation. The greater works is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe so. All right, if, if that's the case, then all of us have done greater works than, than Jesus in that regard because Jesus left the earth and only had 11 people born again. <laughs> Jesus had three and a half years of ministry and got 11 people saved. How nobody got filled with the Holy Ghost till he was gone. But here, here's my point. If that's the case, then this ministry has seen more people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost than that. But it's deeper than that. Greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45. Notice this. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so, as, so are they that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, this is important because notice what it says. First, man. Second, man. First, man. The first man gave away his authority. The first man gave up his dominion for the, to get back the authority of the first man. There had to be a second man. But he had to be a man. Had to be a man. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to say this right so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. A, a man had to correct what a man messed up. Be, be, because the whole issue was obedience. Paul said in Romans, he said, through one man's disobedience... Right? The curse came on all, so through one man's obedience. Right? So there had to be an obedience. What you see in Luke 4, Matthew 4, in the wilderness, that was Jesus being obedient and overcoming the lust, uh, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the very thing that got Eve and Adam. And Jesus overcame it. But that wasn't the only thing he overcame. There were, there, there were things that, that he had to do. He had to walk in complete obedience. And he did all of that as a man. But a man anointed by God and a man completely submitted to God. If you want to operate in your authority, you have to submit yourself to what yeah. God said. Amen. So, so many times in the church, they, they, they miss the whole issue. And, and I've heard people talk about sin and people just don't want to live right. I disagree. Most believers that I know want to live right. They want to do the right thing. But they've, they've been taught Romans chapter 7 in the wrong way for so many years. They think they can't live right. When I want to do good, evil is always present. Well, Paul's writing that as a man that wasn't born again, a man under the law. Then he picks up in Romans chapter 8 and starts talking about a man that's born again and says, here's what I found as being born again. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Sin doesn't have dominion over us. Right? He says, he says in Romans 8, we are not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. See, see it's so important. Because, because that, that, that's where people make the mistake. And they think, well, you know, uh, that was Jesus. After all, I'm just a man. Now, hear me when I say this. Jesus was more than a man, but yet he was just a man. He was much more than a man, but he was all man. I'm like James over the offering Sunday. I'm about to tell myself to come on in. <laughs> Hallelujah. He got happy over the offering Sunday. I'm about to tell myself to come on in. Yes, sir. Come oh, on. glory. <laughs> so he says the first man and the second man then he says the first man was earthy or of the earth or made of the earth but he says the second man still a man was heavenly untouched by the curse yes, sir. he was untouched by the curse because his father wasn't a natural man 
but yet he was all man. I, I, I find it interesting that what the pro- father provides for a baby is the bloodline. The bloodline. The, the, the descent ship, if we could say it that way. The mother pretty much provides everything else. That's why the Bible says we're going to read it in the morning, in, in a moment, that, <laughs> yeah, in the morning, we're just going to stay all night. But that, that's, <laughs> amen, that's why the Bible says in Galatians 4, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent His Son into the earth, made of a woman. But yet it's, it's very quick to point out it was God's, He was God's Son. But yet God's Son was made of a woman so God's Son could be a man. Mm, hallelujah. So because a man had disobeyed God and given away that authority, a man had to take it back. So Jesus was untouched by the curse. And isn't it interesting, as Pastor Ron pointed out Sunday in his message, those of us that are made in the likeness and the image of God, that are New Testament believers, the New Testament says nothing about the curse where we're concerned. We've been made free from the curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse. The curse doesn't apply to the new creature. Why? Because in the beginning, there was no curse in the garden. And and Jesus came and paid the price to take us back. Not just, we have a better standing, but you understand what I mean? To take us back to that place of union with God. Oh, hallelujah. So, Galatians 4.4. There's so much here. I don't think in this whole series that I've finished one outline. I don't, I don't think I... So, so I press pause and then I just start the new outline from where we stop. <laughs> Somebody asked me, is there a book coming? I said, well, we'll see. I don't know. But verse 4, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. For what reason? To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Hallelujah. Wherefore, notice this. Now, now, now religion has a, pro- a problem with this. You are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. So... As sons and daughters, we serve, but we're not servants. Because we weren't saved to be hired help. We were saved to be sons. And sons carry the authority of the Father. Yes, sir. Amen. When, when, when you look at the prodigal son, one of the first things they did was give him back his ring. He had backslid and lost everything. The Bible says he had spent it all on riotous living. Right? Spent it all. But when he came back, it said he put a robe, a robe, not just a garment, a robe. Servants don't get robes. People in authority get robes. That's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation that when we are before the throne of God that we are in white robes that have been given to us. Why? Because we are the ones that are in the authority. Oh, hallelujah. And, 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 and it says that he said put shoes on his feet and a ring. Don't leave out the authority. This is his standing. This is the fact that his ways have been cleansed. But now give him back his authority. Now he can do business again in my name. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. So, then in, in Acts 2 and 22, I'm just, I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you, but it's important that you see this. Acts 2 and 22. So Galatians 4, 4 says he was, he was a, a God's son made of a woman. Acts 2 and 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man, a man approved by God among you by miracles and wonders and signs that God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves know. Now, why is this important? It, it, it shows us two illustrations of the humanity of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. 
approved by God. When Jesus appeared to Saul, when Paul was giving his testimony before the king, he said, that he said who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Well, I thought he would call himself Jesus of heaven. That's where he's at. No, he said Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Why? Because I'm, I'm going to show you in just a minute. There's still a man. He's still a man. You know, when you get to heaven and you get your glorified body, you're not going to be gender neutral. If you're a man now, you're going to be a man then. If you're a woman now, you're going to be a woman then. Now, the jury's out on whether we're going to be married or whatever. I, that's, that's not the issue for me. But the, but the point is, is you don't change what you are when you become glorified. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, notice 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. I'm, I'm trying to hurry, but it's so good. It's, it's like eating that special meal. Oh. Hallelujah. There, there's a restaurant in, in Kansas City that I go to, and uh, uh, it, it has this, it's, it's this special breakfast meal that I really like. And man, I just, I take uh, slow bites because it's good. It's really good. And you add good black coffee with that. <laughs> it's like a hug on a plate. Praise God. First <laughs> Timothy 2 and 5. Notice that. <laughs> Notice this. There is one God and one mediator between God and man and men. The man, Christ Jesus. The man, the anointed one, Christ Jesus. The man, the anointed one, Jesus. So in other words, he's saying the man, and he's reiterating, the anointed man, Jesus. But now think about that. This, this is one of the epistles that's written to the church. And the Holy Spirit who authored this is quick to point out that the mediator between God and men is a man. Now, now why did that have to be? Because we're getting ready to get into the, into the book of Hebrews and and really all through the book of Hebrews, but especially in the second chapter, it talks about the humanity of Jesus and how that man, Jesus, became our high priest, which is our mediator. So the man, Jesus, became our high priest and our mediator, our go-between. He, he's, he's not there telling God how we feel, but He's able to be our mediator and our go-between because He literally became a man and was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And the Bible says, so He being that He was a man and is a man, is able to come speedily, quickly, fastly to our aid and help us when we're in trouble. Oh, Hallelujah. Isn't that great? See, when, when people deny the humanity of Jesus or they make light of it, they make light of their mediator. They make, they make light of the one, the go-between between us and God. Because it's, it's one of the three great unfathomables of, of Christian theology is that God became a man. How, you know... Now, people say, well, you know, God can do anything. But he became a man. He didn't just wrap himself in flesh. See, I have a coat on, but I'm not a coat. I put a coat on, but I'm not a coat. You could put flesh on and not be flesh. You could put a man like appearance on, but not be a man. When God appeared to Abraham, he appeared as a man, but he wasn't a man. He just looked like a man. Jesus did not just look like a man. He became a man. That's why when he walked through the, the wall in the, in the room where the, the disciples, the apostles were, he said, they, they said, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, no, handle me. A spirit does not have flesh and bone. Is that right? 
I'm a man. That was after he rose from the grave. And he said, I'm a man. He didn't change when he got to heaven. Because all things have been put under a man's feet. And he's at the right hand of the Father as a man. With all things. That's why Hebrews says, we don't see all things put under natural human man's feet, but what we do see is Jesus. Crowned with glory and honor. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Expecting till His enemies be made His footstool. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, glory to God. See? So, so, so when we make light of the humanity of Jesus, you, you can't emphasize one at the expense of the other. He was 100% God and 100% man. But to take away from either one of those is to do injustice to the subject at hand. If, 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 if I say Jesus was able to do what he did because he was God, then what hope do I have? If I, if I talk like a Gnostic and say, you know, whatever Jesus, you know, uh, uh, was not really who he said he was, he was just putting on an act, then, then I take away from his Godhood. I've, I've got to take the scripture at face value that he was all God, but all man. And he did it for us. Woohoo! So, here we go. Uh, uh, Hebrews 2. And I think it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews spends chapter uh, 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 telling us about the humanity of Jesus and all about Christ. And then chapter 6 verse 1 says, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. The writer of Hebrews, whoever you believe it was, took five chapters to outline the doctrine of Christ. Now Hebrews is a pretty good sized book, but it took five chapters. Now I know it wasn't written in chapter and verse, but for our sake, five chapters to outline the doctrine of Christ. And the primary principle of the doctrine of Christ is He became a man. That's primary. Now notice... In Hebrews 2, verse 5. Uh, For under the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. Now, remember, uh, Ephesians will reference this a lot. It says that Jesus has been seated far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Under the angels he has not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. All right, so he's, in other words, he's saying we're not talking about angels here. Then he says, but in one certain place, testified saying, what is man, Psalm chapter 8, we read it. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you're, you visited him? You made him a little while inferior to the angels or lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Now, right there, he's talking about mankind. And he says, we don't see all things put under man. Everybody's not exercising their authority. But notice what he says. But we do see Jesus. What about Jesus? Who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Mm. So he's quoting Psalm 8 and the reference to angels is a reference to God. He said you've put all things under man's feet. There's nothing left that's not under man's dominion. We see that from Genesis 1, Psalm chapter 8. Both of them said everything upon the earth was given into man's authority. And, and the writer of Hebrews says we don't see that at this point in every area. But the Phillips translation says what we do see is Jesus. Now why is this important? He came into this world as a man, a little lower than God for a purpose. And Philippians 2 says he willfully did that. He took on himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death. Even the death of a cross. He laid aside all of his rightful glory and dignity and honor. 
That's why all through the scriptures, you see all through the four gospels, you see Jesus fulfilling the scripture in Isaiah when he would heal someone and he would say, see that no man know it. Well, why? It, the chapter not in, in Isaiah, it says he would be a bruised reed that, 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 that he would not lift his voice in the streets. He would not make much of himself. Why? He was a man anointed by God. Jesus never one time healed anybody and said, yep, that's right. Look here, God in the flesh. God in the flesh. No, he was a man anointed by God for a purpose. Amen. Uh, Verse 14 of the same chapter. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part, we could say, of flesh and blood, that through death, He might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Is that right? And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Notice, he did not take on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. One translation says, he became a human being. Hallelujah. Now, this is important. The Phillips translation says, since the children have a common physical nature as human beings, he also became a human being. Now, Jesus had to become a man and die as a man for a purpose. And notice, that he might destroy him. That he might destroy him. And notice what the Bible says, that had. That's what, you know, I like other translations, but you got to make sure, and and i got to be careful with this, watch if it's a paraphrase or a translation. Paraphrases have a hard time making Jesus a man. I have a hard time. Most paraphrases will say, him that has the power of death. The devil cannot have the power of death, and I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't have the keys. I have the power of this church because I have the keys to it. I have a key to every door. I have the power to this church. The Bible says says that Jesus has, holds, keeps the keys of death and hell. So here's the question. So who's holding the keys to death and hell? A man. A man. That's not a spiritual something. A man holds them. Why? A man came. A man died. A man went to hell. A man engaged in mortal combat with the enemy in hell. A man defeated the enemy in hell. A man took the keys of death and hell. And a man rose again victorious on the third day. Yes, he did. And, and, and remember 1 John, I believe it's 1 John 3. It says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now think about that. Did he get the job done? Right? Then the works of the devil are destroyed and we have authority over it. Because our prototype, he couldn't be our prototype if he wasn't a man. He couldn't be our forerunner and our, our example. He could not be who we model our behavior after if he wasn't a man. you got to understand that in any area. You, you, could not ever, you could not ever expect to live above sin like Jesus did if he did that as God only. Because God can't be tempted with sin. The Bible tells us that. But yet the Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points like as are we. Amen. Amen. Jesus was tempted uh, uh, with sin, but not by it. Sin came his way. He had no taste for it. People say, yeah, but you see, there's where the difference is. Mm -mm. The Bible says whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. Doesn't have a desire for it. I don't know about you, but I didn't desire to sin today. I, I believe I won't desire to sin tomorrow. 
Will the temptation come along? It will come along to all of us. If it's nothing more than getting mad and throwing a fit in traffic, it'll show up. <laughs> James like, go on out. <laughs> no, you, do you see that though? This is so important. So he said that he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Well, of course, destroy is to paralyze or to disarm or to strip. But the Greek, the Greek language is very descriptive because it, it carries the idea of taking all the armament away from a soldier or from, an, from, a, from a ruler, taking all of his authority, all of his armament, everything that he trusted in, and leaving him stripped bare. Remember what Jesus said? He said, when, when a man is armed and he keeps his house, he keeps his house, but when a stronger or a greater than he comes, he takes away from him even his armor that he trusted in. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus, as a man, came into the earth and took away from the devil all of his power, all of his authority, everything that he had to trust in. He doesn't have anything else. He doesn't have anything because Jesus took it all. And that's why, and, 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 and I may not get all through this, but that's why when you use the name of Jesus, it's not, it's not a rabbit's foot. It's not a magic talisman. It's your right and authority. In my name, they'll cast out devils. Is that right? When you use the name of Jesus as a believer, now a non-believer can use the name of Jesus all they want. And it won't, nothing will happen. But when a believer uses the name of Jesus, it's the authority. Hmm. But remember, it's the name of a man. It's the name of a man. Jesus. That's why the Bible says that God gave him a name that was above every name. Above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on the earth, and of things under the earth. Why? Why? Because he, he took complete authority when he died on the earth. He went to, to Hades, he went to hell, and took authority over death and hell and the grave. He defeated every enemy there and, and, and won the victory. He gave us the victory in the earth, and he is seated with the victory in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Jesus has authority in heaven, on earth, and in hell. So you have authority in heaven, on earth, and in hell. That's why I noticed the devils in the book of Acts with the seven sons of Sceva, they knew who had authority. The Greek says this, Jesus, we know him. And Paul, we've heard of him. That's what the Greek says. We've heard of him. We don't know who you are. Because the Bible says that that they were exorcists. They weren't Christians. They were Jews. They were exorcists. They were a traveling exorcism group. Traveling around calling, calling demons out of people. And they approached that demon and said, In the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. Is that right? Who Paul preaches. And he said, Hmm, I know Jesus. I've heard of Paul. I don't know you. Right? And you remember he jumped on them. Now, now, that's like a Sunday school lesson, but what, is that, what does that tell us? <laughs> to exercise that authority, you have to have been given it. The Bible says that when you go baptized, it says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. When you look at that in the Greek rendering, it's baptize them into the name. The literal rendering is baptize them into the authority of the name. Yes, sir. So baptism is not salvation. Baptism is an outward proof that I've entered into this area of authority with Christ. I've given my life to Christ. I've went into the waters of baptism. I've been baptized into authority. And, and, and when I use the name of Jesus, 
It's the exercising of my authority. I have a right to use that authority. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, I knew I wouldn't. Well, let's look at Matthew 16. We'll be done with this because I can't. I was going to get into some other things about talking, but we'll be back Sunday. And this is where uh, we'll, we'll end right here. Matthew 16, 18. He said, I say unto you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that's important. And, and when we think hell, I mean, I know we think fire and brimstone. That's, that's true. But hell is more the power of hell. It's the power of death. Hell throughout the Bible is representative of death. Right? The lake of fire is the second death. The Bible in the book of Revelation calls it the second death. It says, whosoever overcometh will not be hurt of the second death. Well, there's a physical death, but the lake of fire is eternal separation from God. That's spiritual death forever, forever and ever and ever. The, the Greek word for eternity is, is the word aeon, and it means age upon age upon age upon age upon unending age. And so when someone goes to the lake of fire, they're eternally separated from God. They're eternally spiritually dead. There's no hope ever. All right, that's the second death. So when he says the gates of hell, gates are always indicative of governance and authority throughout the scripture. And he says the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of the place of the dead, the power, the authority, the government of hell cannot prevail against the church. Should we read it again? Because notice, it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I, I, I want to say this, and I'm not being critical. I've never seen a time in my life where I've heard more Christians moaning and groaning. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to stand in our authority, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us. They're just not. We are going to ascend above it. And notice what he said in the next verse. He said, and whatever you bind on earth. But where's it start? Now, wait, wait a minute. Where's it start? In the earth. Now, th- this is important. Because everything that Jesus said concerning answered prayer or anything of that nature, he said, you've got to ask the Father in my name in the authority that you've been given. What Jesus said, the glory you gave me, I have given them. They carry the same weight with you that I carry. How do I know that? Because after that verse, he said, I want them to know that you love them just like you loved me. And and notice all the things he said that he'd given. He gave us his word. He gave us the glory. He gave us his name. Why? Because we're supposed to operate like He did on this earth. I've had Christians tell me, well, you know, sometimes I thank, I know it's a country song too, but it said, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. That's a travesty. That's a travesty. Amen. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. I've had people say, are you saying that nothing you've ever asked God for, you haven't gotten? I'll say it this way. There are things I haven't gotten from God yet. But he said, whatever you ask in my name, the Father would do it for you. Now, I'm going through this for a reason. Where does it start? On the earth. Whatever you bind on earth is where it starts. Why does it start? This is where the authority's at. There's no need to take authority over the devil in heaven. He doesn't ever get to go there. People write books about the courts of heaven. There are no courts in heaven. The accuser of the brethren, the book of Revelation says, has been cast down. And it says he did, which did accuse them before God night and day. He doesn't doesn't do that anymore. Why? Because Jesus' blood cleansed the heavenly utensils of worship according to to Hebrews. The Bible says that that in that new city, in that place of heaven, that there's nothing wicked, nothing evil, nothing that can come in there and defile it. Well, that that started when Jesus' blood cleansed it. The devil can't go into the heavenly holy of holies. He can't go where God sits and accuse you. That's it. 
He doesn't have access. He's time bound. He's time bound. He's in this earth. And we're in this earth with authority over Him. Amen. And then He said, notice whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I'll close with this. Notice, that's not an if, and, or maybe proposition. You bind it, it's bound. You loose it, it's loosed. Why? Because I'm part of the governing authority in this earth. That's why the Bible says to make sure that you consider yourself part of the kingdom of God. You are in this world, but you're not of this world. Why? 1 Corinthians 15. I am not of the man from the earth. I am of the man from glory. That's who I sprang out of. Hallelujah. So I can't be of the world if I'm of Him. And because I'm not of the world, the authority, the God of this world has no authority over me because I'm not of this world. That's why the Bible says that who the devil blinds the minds of is the people that don't believe. So what opens the mind? What opens the eyes? As soon as they believe, the glorious light of the gospel shows up. What's the first thing that shows up? I don't have to be bound no more. I don't have to live for the devil anymore. I'm not bound. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a servant anymore. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I have all authority. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And, and, and that's why it's important that we, that we realize that. That we don't respond the way the world responds because we're not of the world. Amen. That, that's so important. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, let's stand up, shall we? I trust you received something tonight. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God is good to us. God is good to us. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.